But if you've rehearsed that plan, if you've built those relationships, if you've done those reconnaissance, the three R's, then I think you're going to be much better off, much more effective in a much quicker manner. Welcome to the 1CA Podcast. This is your host, Jack Gaines. Today, we have a very special guest, retired Brigadier General Chris Stockel. LC38brand.com, the civil affairs lifestyle brand. A little bit of something for everybody. T-shirts, polos, shorts, hats, flags and posters for your walls, and stickers for everything else. Celebrating the heritage of civil affairs from the civil reconnaissance of Lewis and Clark through the monuments men of World War II and companies of Vietnam. Representing the present teams of the global war on terror, we have items for citizen soldiers of USA KPOC and warrior diplomats at Fort Bragg alike. LC38brand.com. It's cool to like your job. Welcome back. Brigadier General Chris Stockel held various command positions in the infantry, special forces, and civil affairs. His last position was commanding general of the 351 Civil Affairs Command out of Mountain View, California. Additionally, he was the senior civil affairs advisor within the Indo-PACOM AOR, which included synchronizing almost all the CAA soldiers within the region. Prior to that, BG Stockel did a position with the State Department Counterterrorism Bureau, spoke at the Council on Foreign Relations on China, and testified before Congress to the House Committee on State and Foreign Operations about Iraq. Chris Stockel has a Bachelor's of Arts in Mathematics and Computer Science from Trent State, a Master's in Strategic Studies from the Army War College, and is now the Vice President of the Civil Affairs Association, a proud sponsor of this show. He is also enjoying his retirement and living with his family out of New Jersey. BG Stockel, welcome to 1CA Podcast. Jack, thanks for that kind introduction. When I first started thinking about security cooperation, I was an infantry officer, then special forces, then civil affairs. And so the nexus at that captain major level really started getting me to think about the big picture. And so when I was at Special Operations Command Europe, it made me think, wow, that this thing is huge. How can these activities be synchronized? And when I think right. security cooperation, I immediately think the Defense Security Cooperation Agency. But then my experience with them has to do with Overseas Humanitarian Disaster and Civic Aid, ODACA. So it's much more than that, right? And so when I commanded the 351 Civil Affairs Command, we expanded the Civil Affairs Synchronization Working Group, right? So the CASWIG. And we got quite a few people interested in that because there was a recognition that civil affairs activities, to include ODACA that we just talked about, affects humans, in particular in the land domain. So I see a big nexus between security cooperation and civil affairs activities. Did you see a gap in the past? Because you kind of skill stacked your three different types of experiences, and then it caused, you know, all of that experience of working across different types of jobs, you know, special forces, infantry, it allowed you to open up your, your aperture. And that's the CASWIG and the human kind of fermented, right? 
Absolutely, right? And so uh, there's gaps in everything we do, right? And so identifying those gaps, relay them to other commanders, identifying the resources and the objectives and what that delta is, is defined as risk. And articulating that and recommending different course of action, some with more risk, some with less risk, especially when it comes to, you know, what the Army is now calling the, the human dimension. I'm glad we've identified information and human dimensions of the various domains. But but it's my feeling that domains get money and resources and funding and experimentation. I'm not sure dimensions do. And, now, you know, that's fresh out of the new uh, Army Operations FM 3-0 just released last month. And so we'll see how that works out. But at least we, we know where we are. And so back to gaps. Uh, yeah, there were some gaps. And so I wanted to, to leverage as many partners as I could so that we were nesting ODACA with exercise-related construction, uh, what type of folks we were sending on various overseas training to maximize effects and to understand. We use the term network a lot. It, there's sure. nothing nefarious about it, but, but it's better to get to know people like the director of port operations and whatever in Busan now than, than it is when you're trying to, RSO and I, you're forced there and you may not have ever seen what that port looks like. So you're just following somebody with a set of safety wands and a vest, you know, go stage over here, go stage over there. But if you rehearse that plan, if you built those relationships, if you've done those reconnaissance, the three R's, then I think you're going to be much better off, much more effective in a much quicker manner. Yeah, that makes you more valuable to the commander too, right? Because you've got the relationships and you've got the access. Absolutely, right? So, you know, one of the many reasons we have allies and partners is for that access. And it develops over time. You know, the, the National Guard, you know, state partnership program, they, they have those relationships. So the, the thing about the Army Reserve is many of our soldiers serve in the same units for a lengthy period of time. So this isn't their second year in Korea or in Balakatan in the Philippines or Cobra Gold uh, in Thailand or Talisman Sabre in Australia. This is their 12th exercise. So I, I think the Civil Affairs Command and Civil Affairs in general can help identify some of those gaps and come up with a strategy to mitigate them. Because you need those relationships with National Guard and with the MACOM and all of the coordination that goes on so that you can plug in those assets to apply them in, in the human space, as you were talking about, right? Yeah, I mean, it's the simple answer is, is absolutely yes. I, I, that, that's what we do. And again, uh, one of the expertise that, that civil affairs brings to the table is, is our understanding uh, of humans, regardless of which domain. That's what our force uh, is really strong at doing. Right, which makes us kind of, and ICCA is key for competition, strategic competition, because it's our relationships. Being, you know, mostly reserve component, with some active, you know, special forces and, you know, National Guard. And it's hard to press that force into strategic competition to make a real difference in how the U.S. forwards its foreign policy or, you know, backs off competitor foreign policy so that we can have space to maneuver. Yeah, you're right. Creating time and space for commanders to, to make decisions is absolutely there. You know, it's the civil preparation of the environment, right? That's, that's key. That, that's our IPB 
the you know the security force assistance brigades in conjunction with civil affairs are specifically called out in the FM. Division roles in competition also involve civil affairs. Consolidating gains, these are all things that civil affairs is strong at, and I'm a firm believer in significant additional training after the civil affairs qualification course. Uh, but but these are things that doctrine has called the civil affairs core out on and, and demands that we deliver. And you, you know, talked about the CASWIG and its role in security cooperation. Can you talk a little bit about where you what the vision for that was and how do you see it being applied today? When I was at Arcent and then when I was the chief of staff of the 352, we, we definitely had it, but it kind of fit in a large conference room. At the 351, you know, we needed a small auditorium. And different people came in for different events, and it was a no kidding, uh, let's, you know, double check everything that's left in this FY, and what do we know for, for next year? Uh, what, what are all the responsibilities? And it could also include something like, well, let's take the Center for Excellence Disaster Management, right? They run their humanitarian assistance response training, their hard course. You know, did they want an instructor? Uh, more importantly, did I want to try to work out with them if they didn't ask me to get somebody on the podium? The same thing for Bragg, same thing for Joint Special Operations University, because they, they run some good civil affairs courses. So synchronizing all of those, coming up with our soldiers' uh, individual AT plan, and then matching that up collectively, right? So what is the collective task and purpose? What are my commander's training objectives or the battalion commander, company commander, brigade commander? What are their training objectives? What are they briefing me in their yearly training brief? And then throwing all of that up there. So all the exercises, um, all the resources that we have, and then figuring out, wow, there's a lot of white space still left on that board. How are we going to support this exercise? And, and answer me, maybe we can't. But the good news, when I ran the CASWIGs, you know, we had some members of the National Guard State Partnership folks that were there. We had uh, active, we had reserve, we had the Marine Corps Reserve there. You know, even uh, in my case, it was the 97th CA Battalion on the active duty side, coordinating with the Theater Special Operations Command to figure out what their objectives were. Obviously, we don't do JSETs anymore on the reserve side, but understanding what they were doing, and, and, and that way we could look at a country and going, wow, there's a dozen activities going on that are civil affairs-related, uh, exercise-related construction, ODACA. Um, there's some cases for FMS, and so maybe our SVABs are doing something. But what, what does it all mean? What, what does that ambassador want done? What, what does the three and the five shop want done at Indo-PACOM? And, and the CASWIC got at a bunch of that stuff. And so I was a big believer in that because that was our one chance every year to get it down on paper. Everybody left that meeting with an understanding of what their next FY year looked like. And of course, it probably changed like the Monday after the weekend we did it. But at least there was a base plan that we could go back on and then make modifications and just need to be flexible because one year we did Balakatan. 
Chavez didn't have a big role. Guess what? Political winds changed in the Philippines, and all of a sudden, it just had uh, an HA flavor to the whole exercise. No, we just don't need like six people. We need like 46 people. Like, well, where <laughs> How many do you, get do you have? <laughs> yeah. Bring them all. Well, where did you get that number from? What, what are you, what's the objective? What are you trying to achieve? And then right. I'll, I'll, I'll figure out what the troop to task looks like. Just don't tell me you need as many as you can send. So th- those are important considerations. Is that when, because I don't know, I've heard of a CA task force, CATF. Does the CASWIG, if it starts to pull in other agencies and focuses on an HA environment like like the exercise, does that then become a CA task force or... Are they different? Yeah, so, Are they the same? What's the difference? So I think the, the new FM kind of explains CA task force is, is some, some other objectives, uh, and they use the word stability there. I, I would say during Balakatan in the Philippines and Cobra Gold in Thailand, each year that I was in command of the 351, a combined joint civil-military operations task force was stood up for the exercise, and it synchronized a lot of information-related capabilities, civil affairs activities, you know, engineers, medics. Uh, a bunch of folks were there talking to each other, saying, oh, here's the status on this project. Oh, that has high visibility, someone from the interagency would say. And then if the embassy couldn't support it with a public diplomacy person and get a, a news release out there, then, then we did. And then we would coordinate uh, with their front office at the embassy to make sure that they were happy with a project that was being done. In civil affairs, your success depends on getting the right information to the right people at the right time. Whether it's foundational information for a team about to head out on a mission or putting together a map or other data visualization to brief a general or an ambassador, Tesla Government Solutions and staff can help. With Tesla Government's Knowledge Management Solutions, you're adding a strategic partner that helps unleash the full power and potential of your information. Let us unpack your data and put your knowledge to work. Learn more at teslagov.com. Often a theater command leans towards targeting and operations because it shows effects. If you're doing cyber, you have a result. If you do a missile strike, you have a result. I have struggled to see CA bring out tangible effects from its operations. And I know they're there, but I don't think they're correctly represented when they go up the chain. Yeah, so I mean, I think that comes to, you know, what that civil common operating picture is. There's so many units using so much software out there. It's almost better if we just had the back of an MRE box and some colored crayons and put our civil knowledge integration, you know, what we used to call civil information management, to show commanders a common operating picture. I remember in a talisman saber there with the Australians, and they had a crisis response coordination group, or CRCG. General Lanza at the time, he loved it. The Australian civilians integrated with the the Australian military, U.S. civilians, U.S. military, and they were embedded within his headquarters, and and it provided him so much awareness. But I remember fighting for that concept, the CRCG, to be part of a Pacific Century a few years back, and basically was told, hey, that's non-doctrinal, that's not U.S. doctrine. 
I know, but it's a bilateral, multilateral uh, exercise. That's well, effective. it's not U.S. <laughs> I, I get it. You know, but if we want to keep inviting partners and allies to train with us, uh, we need to pick up some of their TTPs or at least allow them to exercise them. So it, it all worked out in the end. It was a, a validating event for USERPAC as their joint four-star headquarters. And General Brown was very appreciative of what the Australians uh, brought to that exercise. So I, I think that's an important point there. Thanks. You just brought up something else, and that is when you're bringing in partners and allies, and I would say this for agencies as well, uh, I would challenge any CA to know what their TTPs are so that when they show up, they come through the door, you know what their goals are and that how you can help enable them so that they're successful and the mission successful. No, yeah, I mean, General Flynn, when he was the 25th Division Commander, now the USERPAC Commander, and before that he was the Army G357, he's like, Chris, let's figure it out. I would rather have your guys here for, for three or five days than not at all. So I, I got barracks, I got meal cards, uh, you know, we can work out those logistics, but it, it's important to me as the division commander for your folks to understand our operating, you know, SOPs now so that if we need to go fight together, your, your first experience isn't, you know, reading our tax op, you know, on the gray tail flying somewhere in Asia or something like that. And so understanding the interagency TTPs and our partners and allies, you only get that through doing uh, what I call the three R's, right? Reconnaissance, relationships and rehearsals. So you need to be on these OCONUS exercises, shoulder to shoulder, figuring out translation issues, slide format issues, because uh, otherwise it, it's going to be a mess. If you know China's the pacing challenge, then we, we need to understand that environment. And it's better to get our soldiers over there a few times in the Pacific, uh, understanding what the partners and allies are, are going to present and provide in our relationship of what their capabilities are, I think it's critical. So thanks Absolutely. for bringing that home. You know, um, I got to work for General Flynn when he was the 25th commander. And the okay. one thing that caught me about him is that he was really astute on the human dimension of warfare and the economic. He was one of the few people that was in that, that exercise that was thinking about how to create economic drag, you know, one struggle with its its war effort, but also then force it to the negotiation table. So he seemed to have a broader view of how, you know, not only a battle, but the war is fought and won. Yeah, I can appreciate that point of view, right? Thinking whole of government, global economic, but there's definitely plenty of opportunity. And again, there may be certain critical and focal points that if that node is taken out or collapses, whether it be temporarily or, or almost permanently, so you don't, you might not need to go after the whole tail. You just need to go after a key vertebrae. And once that's done, there's some folks who are paralyzed, at least for a while. Um, a quick question for you. With the CASWIG and security cooperation in the CA focus and the CA mindset, where do you see it going in the future? For me, I don't want to say it was a pet project, but I think uh, I'm a big believer in sync matrix, and so it really uh, aligns your, your forces and your missions and tells you where your gaps are, and then you can articulate that risk. And if it's really big enough, you can get the user packer Indo-PACOM commander to 
the Department of the Army and then down to Forcecom and USARC and KPOC and say, hey, uh, I appreciate what you're doing in, in this other theater, but, but here's the risk right now if I don't have this mission filled at you know, 90%, let's say. So I, I think that's a critical point. So no, I appreciate the conversation. What else? Anything else today? That's that's pretty good. I don't I don't think we need anything more. You know, as you get feedback, feel free to put people in direct contact with me. I think we covered a lot of ground. If we get some good feedback, I think it's good. If you enjoyed this podcast and others, please remember to subscribe and hit like, so the One CA podcast team gets important feedback and support. The Civil Affairs Association is a proud sponsor of the One CA podcast and the Unomia Journal. You can find more podcasts like this on www.1capodcast.org. Again, that's www.1capodcast.org.